Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Live from Estopan All In. It's the Bamos Morados podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Let's talk Louisville City, who went had 22 wins, six draws, six losses. That's 72 points, 2.12 points a game. That is a team record, and it was good for first in the East, second overall. Step up from their 2021 campaign. Um, what was interesting comparing uh, 2021 to 2022 is their goals for rate was the same. But our uh, goals against dropped pretty significantly, dropped 27%. We only gave up uh, 0.82 goals a game. And our total points overall, that went up 11%. So in in his first full offseason, Coach Cruz helped take a great team and make him even that much better. And I'll go as far as to say I still I think this is the, I, the, it was the best Louisville City team that we've had, like talent-wise, like depth-wise. I'd put them up against any of them. I know they didn't ultimately get the championship that some of our previous seasons have, but I'm still pretty convinced that this is this was the best team that we've had. Especially at full health. Oh, yeah. Absolutely at full health. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to respectfully disagree with that. I think that the I think that the ceiling was lower, but the floor was higher on this team than any other team that we've had. I think that when this team played its absolute best. It was not as good as the absolute best that they could play in 17 and 18. But I think that when this 22 team played its absolute worst, it was vastly better than the absolute worst of 17 and 18. Now, one other thing I thought was pretty cool about this. Um, let me find my numbers here. I, I did, um, if you guys looked at my latest piece, I did like a little season like review for Little City, and I did a lot of data within Power BI. And on those, there's like ten different like um, numbers that I got from the data that was provided. And of those ten, and only one were we not in the top five, and that was shots to goals against, and we were eighth in there, which is still awesome. So like shots for goals for you know expected goals, points, etc., all that 
we were in the top five for all of them. So we were we were pretty consistent. It's not like we were like a, a one trick pony here. We were good on both sides of the ball. Um, particularly, you gotta give plaudits to the to the defensive side of thing because that's where the biggest level up occurred. And you know, my first thought there's having guys like Kyle Morton come into the mix. It's outstanding. You know, Amadou Dia, awesome. Manny Perez, hell, he added a lot to the attack too. Yeah, I mean, I think Evan put it really well. Just an extremely high floor for this team. I mean, they were yeah. they were all around good at everything. It, it's very hard for teams to find like specific areas of weakness to pick at. They were just extremely. You knew they were going to bring a certain level every game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that the year gets clouded to me a little bit by the fast start that they came out of the gates and went unbeaten across the league and the open cup for 13 games to start the season. And so it was just, they were cruising so much until the injuries started to pile up and the fixture congestion started to pile up. And then I had that little dip of, you know, three losses in four games. And, and, and from there, I thought they, they played, kind of normal lucidity ball for the rest of the year. Uh, the, so some of the numbers I think get clouded by that unbelievably fast start while they were, while they were fully healthy. Uh, and, and you lost by the end of the year, the idea of what Niall McCabe and Jorge Gonzalez were bringing to that team and having neither of them available. I mean, we got very used to cam not being there. Like we got used to yeah. that, but that, that was just sort of par for the course for this year. But what Niall and Jorge did for the first half of the season was huge for this team and not having them down the stretch, I think uh, changed again, the, the, the ceiling for the team. And that was, that's was ultimately their undoing, but for a regular season team, Oh my gosh. I mean, consistent, uh, entertaining, uh, some stars. And the thing that I liked best about what Danny Cruz did was the, the influx of youth, uh, that when you look at who the incoming players were, oh man, they're really good, really talented, and also really young. I mean, we didn't have an off season where we brought in uh, Jimmy McLaughlin and a Jimmy Oxford and uh, guys who were 27 to 29 years old. We were bringing in guys who are 21, 22 years old to say, hey, these are, this is the future of this franchise. Get ready because it's coming. And watching them play this year, oh. I loved the experience they got and and the excitement they brought onto the pitch. And it, it just bodes so well for the club. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the most impressive thing about the season for me, because uh, we've talked for for like a couple of years now about like, you know, the, the roster's getting older, like the transition's going to have to come at some point. How's, how's the team going to handle like transitioning away from the, the core that they have and getting younger. And I mean, Danny, like very, very, very adeptly handled that this season. I mean, we brought in a lot of youth. We played the youth a lot. I I mean, the core that we had still contributed, but you could see the transition happening this season. And, and I'm no longer worried about that. Like I have been in years past. I, I think as the, the as far as the the age of the team goes like the future looks very promising now yeah i was i felt like i might have maybe been like too hung up on the on the age stuff heading into the season but that was definitely on my wish list for this team to get younger and he absolutely delivered that you know manny perez 22 wilson harris 22 
uh, Matiti's 22, uh, Ray 19, like all these guys are just so young and still have a whole lot to, to offer the game. And I'm hoping that we can continue this, to supplement this roster with, with younger guys who can have a, have a future here. You know, there's some, some players that are starting to get up there in age, you, you know, like Brian Obi's 31, Paulo's 30, um, Oscar's 32, Niles 31. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want them out of the equation by any means, but having that kind of backup plan and that time to assimilate with, with those guys is, is huge. And, you know, we're always starting to get some of that, like, uh, guys like Carlos Mogul and, um, and Elijah, I think have, have very bright features with, with the club and, and being some of that, you know, I'll call them backfill. Well, uh, the idea that, that we had so much turnover and that it was such a turn towards youth is so great, but the, the way they played on the field is what made the difference to me. It's one thing to bring in a bunch of 22-year-olds and say, hey, this is the future of the club, and then right. you have a transition year where you finish fifth, and you know, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to incorporate guys, and, and it's not fully coming off. They had their best record ever, and the amount of minutes played by people under the age of 24 had to be astronomical which is is the fun bit for me about this year is instead of thinking hey we need to get younger going into this year into the next season what i've been thinking is what they need to do is add a couple of guys in the age range we don't have which is 26 27 year olds guys in their absolute prime veterans who know how to win know how to score goals that's what you add this offseason is guys that are locked into their prime because right now we've got a big gap in that 24 to 27 year range. Bunch of guys 28 and older, bunch of guys 23 and younger. That that middle ground, I want some established stars because, oh, man, the kids showed what they can do this offseason. And it was great. And uh, and we still know that, you know, the Brian Ownbees and Sean Toshes and Kyle Mortons have plenty in the tank to be vital contributors next year. But I want to see it. I want to see a star. So when you bring up that, that age range of like 24 to like 28. So um, there are five players that are 24, 26 and 27. And of those, several of those have left Parker, uh, John Eric, Napo are, are, are all the mix. So, yeah, I think that that middle age range gap is, is widened a bit. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I went with those guys that. showed I, you. And what those guys showed you, the guys you just listed, is that they're not stars in their prime, that those were contributors. Those were pieces. Yep. Napo had yep. a couple of really nice years for us. 2019, he was special playing out on the wing. But the the bottom line for us is that we don't have the, the established, these are the guys that are that age range anymore, like the Brian Ownbees were for the 2017-2018 run, where it was guys yep. in their absolute prime. And we're going to have to add a couple of those because some of these guys that we thought were great as 22 year olds, they're not going to progress. And so they become the role players like Napo did. And some of them are going to become stars and get sold. Like we all just saw how much money today that Josh Winder was valued at. It's hard to imagine him being here long-term. And so that means that you're going to find a way to influx this team with, uh, with, prime aged talent to supplement the aging guys and to, to train up the, the younger guys. Yeah. And after last off season, I am very confident that Danny Cruz will be able to do that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about his ability to, to bring in the, the right guys. I'm just excited to see, you know, who they are and what positions that, that, that they're bringing in. It helps if when you keep making championships, players tend to want to come <laughs> get in on that. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, between I, I know the, that this is probably off base, and I'm not the one who's supposed to be asking questions here, Benton, but I'm curious to hear you guys' opinions about this because I've been thinking about it and talking about it with some of my friends, and I, I'm just curious where you guys land on it. If you could, without naming names, because that's brutal, if you could pick a position on the field to add a 26-year-old star, where do you add that player? What's the position where you go with what we've got coming back next year? I want to see a, I want to see an in his prime, all league first player come in at what position? I think. Hey, do you mind if I go first, Ben? Go for it. Yeah. Just looking at who's coming back. I mean, I expect we'll probably hear of a couple more signings of people returning that just haven't signed yet. But the the big area of need I see because I mean we're bringing. A, a solid forward core back. We're bringing a very good defense back. I, I, if I were to pick a spot to to sign that in their prime player, I I'm looking in the central midfield. Yeah. So I was going back and forth between I I also agree with the the midfield. I think that you know you got some of these older guys here, Niall and and Paulo, who I I hope are still in the mix for next season. But like when you're trying to think more longer term, it'd be really great to have. <laughs> have a really talented uh, injection there. I'm also um, curious about like a good center back. I mean, it's no surprise. Like Josh, he's going to leave us. Uh, You know, it could be right when he turns um, 18 in May, might be a little bit later in the season, but he's not going to be around that much longer. Um, You know, Sean Tosh isn't getting any younger. Um, I'd like to see somebody to compete with, with Sean and then also with, uh, with Wes um, in that, in that spot that, currently josh is in but won't be for much longer so i i could go either way on that one what did you what were you guys thinking evan you said you've talked about this i I think you landed the same spot that we did i uh, i think that that if you want to if you want to call it a role you call it the the nile corbin paolo role of uh of central midfield higher up the pitch which i mean if we're completely fair it's completely possible that we develop Jorge and Elijah into those roles. And we go, why did you want somebody else? But if, if I got a wish list pick today, I think that there are probably USL caliber stars in that range who can play that central 10 spot uh, or the dual tens that we kind of play. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would be an exciting addition to me uh, just because we don't know what to expect from Niall McCabe, who again was, Oh my gosh, brilliant this year. Yeah. Uh, and that's, if he comes back, we don't know what to expect from Paolo who looked to me like a player who is, can give you 60 good minutes and, and then maybe not be the person to be relied on for that. And obviously Corbin's leaving and you don't know is Miguel, you know, a shield for Tyler Gibson, or is he somebody who really wants to play a little farther up the pitch? Uh, there are questions. And this is the problem that we had with it was trying to figure out how do you not stifle the growth of some of these awesome young players while still saying, Hey, we've got to get better even right now. Gibson is not, has not signed yet. So there's, there's just a lot of question marks in that midfield right now. Yeah. Cause that it, we could resign most of those players and then it doesn't look like a, you know, if Jorge is healthy and play in the, the 10, you know, it, it could be not, not that much of a need or like if several of those players move on to another team or, or retire that that's suddenly a huge need. So yeah, it's just I'm, the big question mark right now. 
Yeah, I'm operating under the assumption that most of those guys will come back. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not too fearful of that. But I guess time will tell on that. I don't know what's going on behind the, the scenes with those, so we'll have to wait for that. Make those official, but. I, th I think it's also fair to worry. Okay, worry is the wrong word, but to consider the possibility that one of the really nice young pieces that we developed this year, besides Josh, gets sold. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm not. I, I'm not saying that I'm hearing anything. I'm just saying that if I am an MLS team and I'm going, hey, how did we let Ray Serrano get away from us? You know, if I'm a if I'm a team in a mid division overseas, I'm saying, holy crap, we could really use a player like. Enoch Mushigalusa, uh, just because there's a lot of talent there. And so I, I won't be completely stunned if one of these players that maybe we even currently have under contract is somebody that actually isn't with the team at the start of the year if we get an offer that, uh, that is hard to mm -hmm. turn down. Honestly, I wouldn't be mad about that. I mean, that's kind of the, the role of the team in the, in, this, in, a, in a lower division is is the exporting of talent. And I think that's, that's a, I mean, a big part of the, the business model there, so. I'd welcome that because I'll like, like I kind of said earlier, I have a lot of faith in, in, in coach Danny Cruz and his ability to find the, the right guys for it. I mean, in just one off season, he, he elevate this team. So I think we're, we're in good hands in that regards. I want to take a little time. Well, we don't need to spend a ton of time on these guys. Talk about some of the new guys that we had the team and kind of what we thought they, they brought to the, the mix and some of our, I guess, expectations going forward for um, with them. Uh, first is Wilson Harris. I mean, he was already an awesome pickup, even with like Cam being healthy in the mix. But with Cam getting out, boy, like how how fortuitous was us was it for us to get somebody of of his caliber added to our striker lineup? Yeah, he looked great this season. I mean, that um, I think we forget he, he how young he is. I, I mean, point two. Yeah, I mean, we talked about players potentially getting poached. <laughs> for the league, but I, I think he's on that list for me too, especially like, um, you know, he had some, some health issues and did not play probably as much as he could have this season, a, a full season out of him next year. I think he could rack up some stats. Yeah. I, I love his nose for the goal. I, I love that he's an intense player. You can tell, that he's polarizing. I know he was polarizing when he played against us for sporting. And uh, he's, he's, he's a guy who brings a lot to the table and specifically goals. Uh, not all of them, some of them, but not all of them were, uh, were, were crazy. Like, you know, uh, goals that we were used to seeing from cam, but he's got a great poacher's instinct and just a high, high energy level, which I love in a forward and uh, you could see he grew into what Danny wanted in terms of being able to press backwards and, and was sort of a fiend when it comes to that. And having that available to us when, let's all be honest, even with Cameron Lancaster out there, we probably weren't going to see that this year. And so I, I thought he was uh, an inspired pickup. His hair is too nice. It, it's very polarizing to have hair that good. Um, it, he looks like an 80s like, villain. I was going to say, I don't I think he looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Back. <laughs> All right. um but yeah he was a he was an absolute bully on the ball i mean i just remember se several times him just shoving defenders off getting the ball and scoring like that was that was some great stuff i love when when a striker can can make something of their own you know and not just relying on service sent to them 
All right. Uh, next up ahead, Matiti Mushigalusa, who I thought uh, he was he was a very exciting player, um, very speedy uh, down the down the sides. I think some people got a little grumpy with him for they thought he was a little too much of a ball hog. I didn't I didn't I didn't mind it too much. I don't think it was it was too detrimental. Um, but I thought he was he was another again another outstanding pickup by uh, by Coach Cruz and really helped uh, really helped add to our already lethal attack. I think he gave he gave the team a dimension that they've not always had. I mean, I, I know people. You mentioned the ball hawk thing, but like uh, I, I can't think of the team ever having anyone who can go like isolation one on one on the on the wing like he could. Uh, and I think I think that was a big help to the team in the, the offense this season. Yeah, he's, you know, he's obviously got every tool you want in somebody to play, you know, whether it be left wing, like he mostly played for this year, or more centrally, you can see how he's got what you would need to have to do that. Uh, I mean, this is not my comparison. I'm not making this comparison. Keep that very much in mind. But sort of that, that sort of that Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo kind of feel of somebody who is going to make something happen. And you can see how that could progress into being more central after being started out on a wing. Uh, I think that he is maybe the most interesting player for this coming season, because he'll either grow into his role in a way that is special and will have an awesome year, or we've seen what he is. And this just is what he's going to be. And, and if this is what he is, well, that's unbelievably useful. Like Zach said, it's a dimension the team doesn't have when he's not on the field. Uh, but if there is 10% of growth to his game of being able to keep his head up and one out of four of those times when he tries to take on two defenders in the corner, he decides to lay it off to the top of the 18 if one out of four of those he can do that, then suddenly you've got a player who's going to have, you know, 12 goals and nine assists and just be a, an absolute demon out there on the wing. And, and that's special. Yeah. That's guy I had a, on here was Ray Serrano, who I, he was he was so technically gifted. I just loved to watch him on, on the ball. I think he was so Speaking good. of great hair. <laughs> You getting that haircut? <laughs> yeah, um, you're you're completely right, Ben. And I don't mean to to take away if you had more to say on this. I, I just didn't want to agree completely because I thought that what he grew into before the end of the year was was so important. I think that as Brian's health was a concern down the last third of the season, having Ray to be able to put out there and, and probably wanted to play a little more centrally than Brian does, which opened up the field even more out on the left for, for Enoch, I thought. And I, I thought that again, special potential, but if he is that player for the next six years for Lou city, well, then we've got ourselves a real winner of a player, yeah. a guy who can pass a guy who can dribble a guy who looks comfortable on the ball, but also doesn't feel like he needs to have it all the time. 
Uh, I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a winner. That's a player you can plug in and say, yeah, uh, best comp I have there, I think is if he adds a little goal scoring is George Davis, where you just Mm -hmm. feel like, oh man, he can come inside. He can play outside. He's going to make the right pass. And if he adds, you know, six to eight goals to what he did this year, well, then you've got yourself like a a regular all league player. Yeah. I think uh, one of the, I think, better scouting pickups of the off season uh, to, to, cause I think he, he played mostly outside back for Tacoma last season. So I, I think it was like really good on the staff to, to, to find him and see like the potential he had to, to move forward on the field and, and play um, more up top. Uh, cause I mean, like Harris and Michigalusa both had good seasons for um, Kansas City last season, so you know it, it was good to get them. But those weren't really you know plucking players out of nowhere. Same with Dia. Um, so I, I think I think Serrano is just a very good, very good scouting by the team to to find find him and, and pick him up. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said. I think yeah, that was probably the the one of the better deeper dives that they did to, to find somebody didn't have the same uh, on paper pedigree some of the other guys um speaking of some of the other guys uh Manny Perez who who had gotten some time in the MLS with uh with Austin he can't he comes on our side he has the fifth most minutes and he was he was flashy he uh I, I liked how much offense he could contribute in his defensive role uh, I I think that's a that's a that's a big part of, of little city's playing style. And he, and he fits that bill very well. I, I think similar to what um, I, I think when he was at his best, he was the best player on the field at times. Um, and, and I think kind of like what Evan said about Matiti, or right, if this is the player he is, from now on uh, that's just fine and that's a that's a huge addition to the team um but i think if he gets a little smarter about picking his times to get forward and and picking his moments to get up there um and improves his defensive positioning a little bit he's like i think could grow to even a whole nother class of player You know, the again, the, the level of talent is immense and, and is fun to watch. And, and flashy is the right word. There were some moments where you just go, wow, wow. I mean, he's a wow player. Uh, I think that he benefited massively from playing next to Sean Tosh. Uh, I think that uh, having uh, a, a veteran presence that uh, could could be counted on for to make up for some of the I won't say deficiencies to his defensive game, but to some of the the growing that he's going to need to do with his defensive game was important. Uh, and I think that uh, that will be the area. I mean, clearly going forward, if like Zach says, if he learns to pick his moments properly, he is special. But if he is going to add a piece to his game this season, the piece that I want to see is uh, a little bit of that Oscar Jimenez 
I can't get up the field this game. I'm going to shut my guy down, which is what Oscar could do in 17, 18. Yeah, he was better known for his delivery, but when he wasn't going to be able to get up the pitch, you could count on him to shut down a wing. And I, right now, I don't count on Manny Perez to shut down an explosive wing player. If we could add that to it, whew, uh, the the sky is uh, not the limit, like outer space. Well, and he has he has a great person to learn from because not to step on Bitten's feet, but the next player we were going to talk about at Dia, I think it was exactly that. He was so solid in defense out on the wing this whole season. Like any time a ball came in his direction defensively, I felt completely calm about it because it seemed like he made the correct decision every time a ball was in the air or a pass was coming his, his way. Yeah. Amadou was outstanding. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for the work he's done. Very much an unsung hero. Put it in the four, uh, fourth most amount of minutes. Came with a with a great background. We knew what we were gonna, was going to be good, but I think even somehow he still like, exceeded those expectations. And he's also really like awesome guy. I think he, I always found him very personable to talk with and little things like that. I like that. I think I think he was slighted for not being more in the conversation of the team of the year. Uh, yeah, conversation for the league. I, I, I think he was that good last year. Yeah, that's that's the tough thing for an outside back with how offensive of a role that is anymore. It's hard to get some outside back love on team of the year stuff if you don't have the 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 big counting numbers of goals and assists. And he did so much of the oh well, Manny's gone bombing down the wing again. I better sit back and be ready to be ready to you know cover our guys on the backside. Uh, he did a lot of that. And one of the things, Amadou D is one of the fastest players in the league. I mean, this guy can fly. And you didn't have to see that very much this year because his positional awareness was so good. And uh, I just thought, oh, wow. Zach nailed that on the head where you just feel completely calm. Like he was an absolute presence of of comfort. He was, he was an absolute comfort, which was so weird after the year of watching – Jonathan of watching Joe go uh, learn that position and, and make it his. And this year we got sort of the exact inverse of that. And, uh, but, but maybe actually better overall play, which was hard to say about a guy who, you know, is now playing for a team that's in the champions league. That's cool to say, isn't it? One of our former guys in the champions league. (laughs) Don't think he's seen any minutes just yet, but he's still. Uh, it's still so exciting. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit with Josh and so, and the potential to sell some of these Let's guys. Say, potentially, could have multiple players in the Champions League in the next couple of years. Gigantic club. All right, here's this is going to be interesting. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Ian Soler. I never felt like he gelled with that backline. Uh, I, I, I didn't have any huge issue with issues with him individually as a player, but it just seemed like when he was out there, like the communication between the backs wasn't the best. And, and the, the, the backline just did not seem, seem gelled when he was out there. I think, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what another off season does with him, but I, I, I was not, I was not. Yeah. Super, nothing really stood out to me. 
Yeah, he threw out a couple of clunkers, which which is always tough uh, when you're getting that little playing time. I mean, he was the you know third or fourth option for a, a position that only has two spots, and one of them, Sean Toast doesn't come out of the damn lineup. So <laughs> you're really talking about one spot, and uh, you're talking about a wonder kid in uh, in Josh Winder, and then your your Swiss Army knife of uh, backline help in West Sharpie. It was just tough for Solaire to get any consistency, uh, and the the two or three times he got real minutes at least two of those he had he had real tough nights and so that's that's i I don't want to judge him harshly on that maybe he's an unbelievable training guy but uh he's clearly not that unbelievable of a training guy or he would have seen more of those minutes so uh i I would say underwhelmed but i didn't have huge expectations anyway so it was fine yeah i didn't i didn't know what to expect going in but uh yeah yeah he, he never really impressed me. It's like you said it well. I think there was probably a lot of communication issues there. Um, I mean, to be real blunt, I was surprised that he, he wasn't on the list of, of departing players. I just didn't think it worked out, and I thought it might have been best to move on. But perhaps there's more to that story than, than we well, know there. And he did so. have some injury trouble this season. So I, you never know. I, I th- yeah. think I, it. lots of times you can – not necessarily be out on the injured list, but still be yep. bringing a nag- nagging thing along. So yeah, they, and, you, you can never know with anybody. Know, and we rarely know what the contract situations are. This guy may have signed yep. a two-year deal. And so he was coming back no matter what, we don't know, but yep. uh, it, it's, it, it didn't look special this year, but uh, you, you hope that a year of health and uh, you know, a chance to, to earn some minutes with the experience, Expected eventual departure of Josh. Maybe you see something new from him. Yeah, we will see. Um, Kyle Morton. Enough. A ton needs to be said here. He, I mean, we knew he was great. He was great for us. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, it's it stinks that he 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 hasn't gotten more opportunity at the MLS. Uh, but their losses are gained. And he's he's exactly what we needed, a big uh, upgrade between the sticks and uh, a consummate professional on top of all that. I was never very impressed. I thought, uh, you know, he, he really didn't add. But no, come on. He was incredible. He was probably the <laughs> signing of the year for us. And that's yeah. saying something when we when we talk about all the guys we just discussed, including our leading scorer. But uh he was he was everything he was billed to be, and he falls into that same category as like the the Evan Newtons of the world, uh, who never really got a full shake trial chance at a higher level and probably deserved one, uh, but mm-hmm. instead has found a role as just like you know a, a dominant goalkeeper in this league and now a dominant goalkeeper for the best team in the league. So, right where he belongs. He's exactly what you want from a keeper, which was. The team did not ask a ton from him, and when he needed to be there, he he was there. Like that's all no you point. can ask for. That's the perfect season for a keeper, <laughs> and clearly a leader. Like clearly a guy that the team respects. It's clearly a guy that when he needed to get fiery would get fiery, and a guy who when he needed to calm the team down could calm the team down. And uh, I, I uh, nothing but respect for Kyle Morton. My my only criticism of Kyle Morton is, is that I wish he kept the uh, the Peter Check helmet. This is this is distinct look when he had to wear it for that like what one or two games. Wasn't for him though, I guess. 
I like keepers in a hat. You like the old timey leather head look? Yeah, I do. I think it's fun. Um, speaking of goalkeepers, Danny Fondes, what a pickup he was from a trialist to a, to a was, standout in the playoff run. I was extremely happy to see him on the list of returning players when the team put it out. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I mean, if he did like leave, I wouldn't have been heartbroken because I would have assumed it would have been for a starting opportunity elsewhere, and I felt like he deserved that. But hey, if we can keep him, that's great. Well, you just feel like okay, that's something we don't have to think about this off season. Yeah. And mm-hmm. since Greg Ranjitsing left, we've had to think about it every off season. Who's the goalkeeper? Who's the backup? Who's going to get minutes? Who's not? We don't have to worry about that at all this year. We know who the starter is. We know who the backup is. We feel completely confident with either of them being in the net for any number of games over the course of a season. Like, I mean, it's it's the ideal goalkeeper situation. Yep. And uh, last on the list, I put Carlos Mogo. I guess I think he technically got a few minutes last year, but uh, I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, he had 12 minutes. That hardly counts. He was a new player this year. Um, I thought, you know, I, it's great to see. I love, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Academy and I love that there's already been a, a lot of output there. And, um, and I think he's really uh, definitely earned his time. Um, I'm not going to say I underestimate him or anything, but I think he, he performed above my expectations when he, when he was getting in. So I'm really hoping, and I'm optimistic that he's going to get a lot more, uh, more time in 2023. I'm just a, I view him as a spiritual successor to uh, Tyler Gibson, but as Evan, as you said earlier, like, you know, he may want to, or eventually become more of a, more of a central uh, attacking sort of option, but whatever that is, I, you know, I I have faith in him. He seems like he has a, a good foundation to his professional career. He was getting toughest. No, go ahead, Zach. I'm sorry. He was getting big crunch time minutes in that, that playoff run. And so I, I am very, I mean, I'm excited to see more from him next season. I mean, he has me just excited about the academy in general, getting to see yeah. more and more of these players come up. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, you can you can see a very a lot of growth potential there. It's very exciting to see where he lands. Yeah, he he's one of those players that he's so young. And to talk about a player so young in that number six role is it's that's so daunting. I mean, that you have to carry so much water for this team as a, as the six. And and we talked about Dia maybe being the unsung hero. I think Tyler Gibson is the other one. And, and again, it's because you don't get those big numbers playing that role. It's kind of thankless, but it is key to everything that we do. And it was, I thought the biggest hole in the team post Tyler uh, post speedy Williams and so being able to have Tyler Gibson teach Carlos Mogel how to do this could be enormous if that's a role that he sees himself in. But when you're talking about a 17, 18, 19-year-old learning that position, I think the natural inclination is to look farther up the field. It's like, oh, I'm not a center back and I'm not an outside back, so I'm an attacking central midfielder. Well, okay, learn how to be a six and you'll have a job in this league for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, so high ceiling there. Hope to see a lot of him next year. Uh, but overall, if you had to give a letter grade to Coach Cruz's uh, off season, what would you guys give him? And that was an A off season for me. 
it, I, I think that the, I mean, it's an A for sure. It's bordering on an A plus that yeah. it, it ticked every box of what we wanted to accomplish with an off season team with the off season for the team going from 21 to 22. Uh, it's as close to an A plus as you can get. Yeah. 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 I, I was also thinking a, as well, um, wasn't the, my only criticism wasn't totally sold on Solaire. I mean, for as many hits as we had, like if for one, if we're going to call him a miss and it's not the end of the world and my other nitpickiness, and this is with a tremendous amount of hindsight bias is I would have liked a more pure striker along with, uh, with Wilson Harris. If we're going to have three goalkeepers, I would have liked to see, have seen three strikers. Cause it, oh man, it's, it was tough to watch at the end of the season having to put like Brian Ombi as a, as a striker. I mean, just striker thinking, like, was maybe the MVP for the season. It worked. I mean, it worked, but like, I just, I would have preferred to have had um, a more natural player in that role. So Brian can play what he's, he's most used to. And again, yeah. partly with, with some hindsight bias with that one. It's not partly, it's all with hindsight bias. I mean, if Cameron Lancaster plays, you know, 28 games this year instead of eight games this year and, mm-hmm. and scores 12 goals instead of four goals or whatever it was going to be. And, and you see, you know, real where it's Wilson Harris coming off the bench mostly or getting spot starts, then you feel like, oh man, we nailed this. And and while Cameron, you have to plan around the idea of him not always being healthy. Well, that's why they brought in Wilson Harris. I, I think I'm going to adjust. I'm going to say this is an A plus, not just because of how well they played last year and they all played well last year, minus maybe, you know, Solaire. But again, they did, probably didn't bring him in to be a starter anyway. Mm-hmm. So that means to me, this is an A plus because all of the names that we just listed, I think all of them are coming back next year unless we sell them for huge profit. And all of them are expected to be key components of what we do again next year. So it's not like some of the seasons where we've brought in somebody and then had to be, well, okay, that didn't work. Never mind, we'll move on. Yeah. All of these guys are the future of the club and and doing that in one fell swoop, uh, that's an A plus. Well, and... Benton, you didn't mention him, but um, uh, I, I mean, I know he he has played in season past, but um, I mean, Elijah near the end of the season, I think we saw a couple really bright moments from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that's another young player to to watch moving forward. I, I think like he's really had to struggle with with some things out of his hand with injuries and uh and everything but I, you definitely saw the ceiling for him it, in, in at the end of this season well yeah how funny is it that we talk about incoming talent and we get to ignore two teenagers on the team they weren't <laughs> incoming talent they were pre-existing talent yeah and then and, and by the same token uh gonzalez who you know another kid that is an important cog to the rest of this team that you don't even talk about again as an incoming player, even though he played like not the full season the year before. It's exciting to see what we've got building. And so much of that was this off season. And we're coming off a year where we won the freaking league or the conference. I'm sorry. And uh, had the best point total they've ever had. Uh, You can't ask for more than what they got from this year. And if we stay healthy, I think it's a different end of the season. Yeah. And yeah, I should have probably included Elijah. I thought he got more than 24 minutes. Uh, in, yeah, in he, he played a little bit, but yeah, it was yeah. literally 24 minutes. So I probably by that regards, I probably should have just went ahead and included him. But 
I mean, to your point, he's outstanding, very bright future. Expect to see a lot more of him next season. Um, one thing I did want to ask you guys about is the playing style for, for Little City. Obviously, we used a lot of the 4-3-3, which we've come to know and love. But we also used a, a, a bit more of a back three formation than we than we have in the past um, with some mixed results. So overall, what, what was your guys' thoughts on the on the playing styles? I guess particularly the the back three that we're trying to make happen or at least have a as a tool in our pool belt. I, I love it. I, lo- I love the idea of having the ability to switch. Uh, and I think that that's really what Danny is trying to cultivate more than anything else. I don't think that he wants to be a team that you can know, oh, they're a back three. Oh, they're a back four. I think mm-hmm. he wants to have that uncertainty in the opposing coaches' minds about what they're going to be facing every given week. And I think that we'll know more about that based off of what this offseason looks like. Do we sign a couple more outside center backs uh, to come in? I mean, again, with with the, the you know, specter of Josh departing hanging over our heads we're gonna have to revamp this back line a little bit and if we revamp it i want to see who he brings in to fill those roles because that'll tell you do i want to be a team in a back three that can switch to a back four or do i want to be a team in a back four that can switch to a back three because it's obvious he wants to have both of them available Mm -hmm. well and i think i mean this season was a really good example i one, I, I mean, I love having the ability to to switch up small things about the st- play style based on where we are in the game, what's going on. I think the team uh, did an exceptionally great job. A thing that was a problem last season that was not this year is like when the team had a lead and needed to hold on to it, like we would switch to that. I mean, it's essentially a back five, but basically back back three and and lock down and and defend and close out games and they were very good at that and i think having the the tactical flexibility to to adjust in games like that was huge this season and i think i think danny did a really good job i mean we played we played in whatever formation best fit the players that that we had i mean we would make tweaks to it basically based on who was on the field and we had, we had like a core philosophy, but I feel like we did a great job of getting the best out of everybody when they were out there. We put all the players in, in a position to succeed. And that, mm-hmm. that, that more than anything yeah. is I think a benefit of being flexible and what I like seeing moving forward. Yeah. You guys mostly said everything I was going to say. The one thing I, I think of with this back three thing is that I don't know if you guys remember that towards the end of the season when we played Hartford for that you first half. You bring up the Hartford game and get bit. You bring up the Hartford excellent. game every time. They're the they were the worst teams in the league. I don't care if it can <laughs> if if it can look like that each and every time. It was outstanding. It was beautiful. It was great. I know Hartford isn't isn't great itself, but I think that was a good example of what the back three could be. I think if they get more experience with it and, and it gets perfected more that could become more of a regular thing you can use that against somebody who's maybe a step or two above a hartford so i'm saying it looked really good in that one yeah if we could play hartford every week that would be great i mean I think that's that the would. plan for next season but if that's part of the ideal then you know i say danny cruz has got way more pull than i thought but uh, <laughs> I, I agree i mean it showed signs where it was good it also showed signs where it was bad 
uh, it's, it's tough to, to point to whether or not it's going to work. I think though, that he, more than anything, he just wants to be able to say that it's a possibility and make your coach or opposing coaches prepare for more than one thing. And I will say that I think that it accentuates what Manny Perez is good at. And that mm-hmm. to me is the best part about the back three is it means that Manny Perez can play a little farther up the pitch and, uh, and it, it makes him his best, his best self. And so, uh, and he might be the kind of player where it's worth accentuating one guy. Mm-hmm. So a few other things I want to go over. We had the open cup return this season and we made a pretty good run in that. I mean, damn near beat Nashville. Man, kept it real close and competitive. The biggest woulda coulda game of the season that that open game. It feels like they were right there. Yeah, I mean to have Hanny Mukhtar putting in a goal against you late, like he's, he's such a good player. It's, it was hard to be mad about that, but I mean they made a good run and they and they kept it very competitive. I, I, I was very very happy to have the open cup back this year. I think oh, one yeah. of the things I've been missing the most this last couple of years it. It's one of my favorite parts of the season. I, I'm, I, yeah, I think my, it's might be my favorite competition that they play in. Um, so I, I was very happy to have that back. I love the open cup. It's so much fun. It sucked so bad. Like that, that game was so infuriating to me because I honestly felt like we were the better team for yeah. huge chunks of that game. And, yeah. and to not come away with a win there. I mean, it really felt like they turned off for like 45 seconds after the OnB goal and gave up the equalizer immediately. And that if you don't turn off for that 45 seconds, I think we win that game two, three, nothing because I thought they were just better. Yeah. But uh, so it, it's a big missed opportunity to me, but it, it's, it's such a fun atmosphere. I brought a bunch of my coworkers to that game. They all had so much fun. Like that was, that was a game of uh, that that run was was fun, but that loss was also right in the middle of us not playing our best, uh, and so to lose a game where I thought we were playing our best, oh, that was it was heartbreaking. Brutal. Yeah. Um, the only other point I had to bring up was the Louisville Indianapolis Proximity Association football contest for the second year in a row. We lost it to Indy. Uh, now, question for you guys: Do either of you guys care about the contest when when Indy's not really relevant? I will absolutely take losing that contest and making it to the finals any year. I do not, I do not care if we win that as long as the team does good. Yeah, I, I would not trade anything, anything for the the Eastern Conference streak to come to an end, the, uh, the Eastern Conference final streak to come to an end. But no, I, I don't like losing to Indy. And, and besides not liking to lose to Indy, I mean, shoot, if we win those two games against a team that's pretty bad, that's our rival that we should have beaten, then we host that final. And I think that makes a very big difference. I mean, those are the yeah. kinds of games. Obviously, the Monterey Bay game is an easy one to point to. But, I mean, Indy was a bad team this year. We should have beaten them twice. And instead, we lost and drew to them. And that's a that's a tough pill to swallow when you're watching the home team celebrate on their field at the end of the year. Yeah. For me, rivalries are, are more fun when when they're competitive. Like the other team's competitive. So yeah, sure, they 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 beat us and 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 won that crown this year. But the fact that they just really weren't relevant in the conversation at all, like just in, in the wider league play, just kind of took away from it. But you guys said everything else I was gonna say as well. 
I mean, we we won the bigger prizes of the year, so they can have their their consolation prize now, as they, they sat at home throughout the postseason. Fingers crossed when they have their own uh, field eventually. I think I will be I, I'll probably get up for that a lot more because I, I think that yeah. makes that that away day at Indy really awesome. Well, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, but Looking for now, yeah. All right, well, stupid, stupid losses. I, I'm, I'm still bitter about. I mean, just so clearly the better team, and yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't get either of them. And uh, and again, I, I don't know how much or how little or not at all you guys want to relitigate the uh, the final. But I mean, to me, I think that San Antonio was a great team. I mean, like a legitimate top five all time USL team. That was a really, really good team, and they beat us in a pretty fair game there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still think that if you play, if if Lou City, even the the injured, exhausted version that played them in that game, I think if you play that game at Lynn Family Stadium, it doesn't end three one. No, no. I, I still think with the injuries, even at Lynn, San Antonio is probably still the better team in that final. But I do think uh, with even even one of those injuries or suspensions back i i think playing at lynn makes the difference there well i mean yeah. can you imagine we still haven't gotten to see a usl final at lynn family stadium like can you imagine the, the, the ridiculous nuttiness of how unbelievable that stadium i know benton was at the game in san antonio i thought it was a perfectly mm-hmm. good crowd but i didn't think that it was a special crowd i just thought it was a good crowd i think the lynn family stadium crowd would have been out of this world for a final. Yeah. And I think that that makes up for, uh, you know, a Cameron Lancaster having to play 70 minutes on, you know, 10% of his normal health. Now, Evan, this might, we might have to blow the NDA horn about this, but I, you brought up a, a final at Lynn and I am curious that uh, it, it looks an awful lot like the stadium is set up to be able to bring in, temporary seating on that open end if we need it for a final is was that ever like yeah that was like discussed. in discussion they can do that yeah they they, it looks that. to me Although like i don't i don't think they will though because that would actually limit the total number of people that could be in there having that be standing room actually allows them to have more folks there yeah um the only thing I'll, I'll add to that conversation is if Lynn Family Stadium does host the final, it'll be the city of Louisville's third different venue to host the final. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it already has hosted a final. The USL final. How about that one? There we go. So, all right. Well, I think we hit most of everything for, for both teams. I mean, it's a little bit of a whirlwind in some capacity, but overall, I think there's a lot to be optimistic with, uh, with soccer in the city and i'm 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 eager for the next season to already start been a long off season already so yeah i'm, uh, I'm any- unbelievably excited about the coming years i'm unbelievably excited about the the level that loose city showed again this past year and uh it, it's to me, I, I won't try to, to to rain on parades as we hang up here. But I'll just say that uh, the 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 unfortunate shadow of what all has happened with soccer holdings is, is still hanging over me and preventing me from loving this the way that I want to. I'm just hoping mm-hmm. for a speedy and uh, and uh, appropriate res- resolution to that situation before I get 
truly amped up about both of these teams playing a great 2023. If you weren't going to rain on it, I was. So don't feel bad about that because I, I feel the same way. It, I actually, I, I, I'm actually the, the off season is kind of nice for me. Is it just a way to emotionally maybe reset a little bit? Um, but yeah, I, I, I really want to be able to enjoy racing without any weird reservations. And so uh, hopefully we can get to that point next year at some point. Well, we're, we're about to run out of time. So real quickly, Evan, I want to thank you so much for joining us and in, in talking racing and, and Louisville city with us. It's a, uh, it's been fun. You're, you're very knowledgeable, good speaker. And it was uh, great to have you and your insights on. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys having me. I had a lot of fun tonight. Thanks for coming out of pod retirement for us. Yeah, (laughs) It's always uh, fun to shake off the rust. And uh, I I felt like I I at least didn't embarrass myself more than once or twice. (laughs) All right. Well, listeners, stay tuned to this channel. We got some more stuff planned for this offseason. But until then, we'll catch you guys later. Vamos Marados. Bye, y'all. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.